We're making our way through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, as we have gone through, we've seen a pattern of Jesus starting his ministry with a bang. And uh, it's been a whole lot of fun to watch this all play out together, to see how each thing rolls into the next. And um, I, I was looking at this passage, and I was thinking about how simple it was, and how, as I was teaching it, you guys are going to go, well, that, that's pretty simple, and then we were going to go on our way today. But the more into it I got, and the more I got to thinking about his timing, the more I'm absolutely amazed by how God knows where we're going to be, when we're going to be, and how we're going to be before we ever start preaching this stuff, because in what happens today, we are going to actually see the process play out in our church over the next couple of weeks. Totally a God thing, totally a true thing, totally, totally something that I can't wait for you to experience alongside of us, all right? But having said that, even though what I'm going to say is super simple, it is not simple at all, all right? Let me give you an example. How many of you um, have ever um, had anything to do with archery? Uh, I know one of the guys that was here at the early service, he, um, he, he had an archery shirt on from East Jessamine yesterday at breakfast, and so I asked him, but if somebody said, well, what is archery? Well, you put an arrow in a bow, pull it back, and shoot at the target. That's archery. There's not a whole lot more you can say. Arrow, target, hit the little red dot. That's it. Pretty simple, but you know, and I know, and everybody here knows that it is a lot easier said than done. Basketball, put ball in hole. Right? Simple. How do you score? Ball, hole. That's how you score, right? Put it in the bucket. But shooting that from different places at different angles with different people in front of you is a totally different thing. Think about what I just said. Use that lens when I talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. Yes, it's simple, but the playing it out of it over and over in our lives is complicated. It, is, it takes effort. It takes work. You also need to look at what we're going to talk about this way in both directions. You need to look at it in the choosing, and you need to look at it in the being chosen. In the choosing and in the being chosen. So let's read, because we always want to read first, and uh, it'll be right up here. We're going to be in Luke 6, starting in verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Listen to me. Luke chooses to put a comma where he could have put a period, right? Over and over again in the Bible, it says, and Jesus went away to pray, period. Jesus went up on the mountainside to pray, period. Jesus was praying, period. But that's not what it says here. It says, one of those days, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray, comma, and spend the night praying to God. We must ask ourselves why. In the early service, I actually asked and waited for an answer. I think I'm going to do it again. What does the fact that not only did he pray, that he prayed all night long tell us? What does it tell you? Anybody? Shout it out. What does it say? Good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. He had a relationship with his father. He either knew that what had been he needed to be refueled for or what? Or what was coming needed extra prayer. 
So the idea that we know what he's been through, but we know that he's consistently praying. But in this case, he goes to pray in preparation because this is the first part of the story. And he prays all night long. So what this should tell you is he understands the magnitude of what he's going to do. Well, if we're interested in what Jesus finds holds great magnitude, we need to read on. Let's see what it was he was getting ready to do. When morning came, he called the disciples to him. Not the 12. He called all of the people who were following him to him. People were following him, we find out one verse later, from all over the place, all right? And then he, you ready? Chose the 12 of them whom he designated apostles. So what did Jesus pray all night long in preparation for doing? Choosing the leaders that would be the vessels by which every one of you is in this room today. He chose Simon, whom he would call Peter, the rock, later on which he would build his church. His brother, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became the traitor. How do we know that he chose them out of a large crowd? Well, he went down with them and stood on a level place. <laughs> a large crowd of the disciples were there and a great number of people from Judea, Jerusalem, Tyre, and Sidon. Okay, we need to stop. This is what is called the Sermon on the Plain. You're welcome. It's going to sound a lot like the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you who hunger. Blessed are you who weep. But why do they call it the Sermon on the Plain? He went down, coming down off the mount, and stood in a level place. Theologians call this the Sermon on the Plain. Here's the question of the day. Was the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain the same sermon with Jesus on the Mount and everybody else on the Plain so that they could see him? And we have two different interpretations from Luke and Mark, which is which, or Matthew in this case, all right? That's option A. Option B is, if I preach this sermon today and then I go to um, Podunk Baptist Church down the road and I preach the sermon there, it might not sound exactly the same, but it's going to have a lot of the same to it. Maybe Jesus preached on the mount, more people came, they needed to hear what he had to say, and so he re-preached it just slightly differently. That's the second possibility. The third possibility is, all Luke is doing is going back and getting the parts that he needs for his audience from what he read from the Sermon on the Mount because it was written years later, all right, Mark was, Mark, Matthew was the only person who was there, so he gets it from Matthew, who is Levi, who is one of the called, and he re regurgitates what he needs. Which is it? Don't know, don't care. I don't know, and I don't care. When I get there, I'll ask, okay? Because when we argue about those things, we miss the point. We start arguing about things that don't matter in the kingdom. That's going to be key to the whole sermon today. They don't matter in the kingdom. They matter in this world. But you were not created for this world. We are aliens and strangers. We were bought with a price. Our citizenship is in heaven. So we must think kingdom. That's going to come to play. Why? 
because that's why Luke says what Luke says. They had come to hear him, to be healed of their disease. They were troubled by impure spirits, and they were cured. The people tried to touch him because the power was coming from him and healing them all. This is a very interesting passage. He doesn't just say Jesus healed this guy, and then he healed this guy, and then he healed this guy. I want you to listen to how this is. The people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. This is a really cool phrase because it's almost as if there is this light, this ray, this living water from heaven that is being flowed into someone who understands God because he is God. And as everyone reaches out from all directions and touches him, they feel the power coming from him, from God to him and him to them. In Mark, there is the story of a woman who comes up to Jesus and touches the hem of his garment, right? All right, and what happens? She is healed of 12 years of bleeding. But here's the thing. That that story is the only place in the whole of the Bible where Jesus acts in the past tense. Let me show you. The verse says, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him. It's the only story in the Bible where Jesus heals somebody and did not know he had done it before he did it. And so the power flowed from him. What we see here is a compounded version of this. Jesus is there. He is aware. He is teaching. Children are touching. People are reaching for him. It's almost as if, if you're connected to God and you're connected to Jesus, that everything flows through you and it makes it all right. I wonder if you could tell a story about Jesus being the vine and everybody being attached to them being the branches. And if you were attached to them, you could live. That'd be a great story, wouldn't it? Or maybe just John 15, you can go see it. Huh. I love how the Bible comes together. And he was healing them, and then he looked at his disciples. Listen, he looked at his disciples, but he was speaking to everyone, not just the 12. And here's what he said. Blessed are you who hunger, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and insult you because of the Son of Man. Okay? It's very interesting what he says here. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, and blessed are those who weep. These three are grouped together, all right? And he begins the process of separating the way the world sees things from the way kingdom sees things. This isn't about the Beatitudes like in, in Matthew. It is them, but it's not the same message because of where it falls. Listen, this is a message that says, I know that climbing the corporate ladder and gaining money is what you are taught in your schools. But what I am telling you is, if you continue to gain money and that becomes your focus, you're going to find the ladder that you're climbing leaning against the wrong wall. Right? Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus never asks for anything of you that he will not abundantly reciprocate in ways you can't fathom. 
But we have to have a kingdom mindset and not an earthly mindset. We think, I don't want to weep, but maybe our hearts ought to break for the lost, for the broken, for the poor, for the needy. Maybe we don't want to go hungry, but maybe Jesus will supply like he did in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and all the way through the scripture. And if we just learn to rely on him, we will also be able to feed the hungry. We have to think differently than the world. And he is doing in a sermon what he's been doing for the last chapter and a half, setting the Pharisees up because they are all about religion. And he is saying, I'm going to turn your world upside down, not because your world needs it, but because it's not your world. (laughs) The kingdom of God is opposite in opposition to the kingdom of this earth. God is the God of heaven. Satan is allowed to run rampant on this earth. And he has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants you to accumulate wealth. Why? Because then you'll believe that you can buy it, that you can earn it, that you can get what you want, be it a wife, be it a home, be it a car, be it a son, be it a daughter, out of your own power. And that takes the power out of God, puts it on you, and that's all Satan wants. Blessed are the poor because they get what it's like to reach for someone. He's setting it up to show the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of earth. Then he says, hey, blessed are you when people hate you, while they exclude you and insult you and reject people in your name. He says, listen, when you swim against the flow, people are going to get ticked off. Look at what's already happened with the Pharisees plotting against me. He couldn't say it, but we can all see it. Rejoice. Rejoice, for great is your reward. Woe to you who are rich and have already received your comfort. Listen, Jesus is not saying money is bad. But he does say money is the root of evil. Why? Because the money's not bad. The the confidence and the idolatry and the overspending and the underspending and the trying to master it is what's keeping us from the master because nobody can serve two masters. The Bible just keeps coming together. Woe to you who are well-fed. Woe to you who those speak well of you. Jesus sets it up, and then he says, the things of this world are going to only get you things for this world. For eternity, they will not. So what he's doing is he's talking about leadership. The, The big question is, what did Jesus do? He prayed. Why did Jesus pray so hard for so long? Because he was about to make a massive decision on who he would choose. And he wanted to teach his followers after he chose, both by doing and by word, how they needed to learn to choose and, church, be chosen. Where you find value in yourself. Okay, so I want to talk for a minute about how I grew up and how many of you grew up choosing leaders, right? Let's talk about how churches choose leaders, all right? Let's talk about how churches make big decisions, right? Let me ask you a question. Uh, There was a story about 
uh, three weeks ago where the, the, they, they had a guy that was lowered down through the roof. It was Luke's version of a story that's in Mark chapter 2 where the guy lowers down through the roof. Now, they had to go get him. They had to bring him back. They had to get through the crowd. They had to go onto the roof. They had to cut through the roof, and they had to lower him down to Jesus. Now, in a good Baptist, Methodist, or Presbyterian church, that would have involved about six committees, all right? You need the van committee to okay the gas to go get the man and to bring the man back, but you need to talk to the finance committee about insuring costs for that man to get in and out of the van because he can't walk, okay? We've got to make sure we've got all the handicapped stuff up to date, and then when we get there, all right, we've got to talk to the hospitality committee because everybody's there, and we need to know who else is going to be there because we've got to have enough food there for everybody because that's what good Baptists do. And then we've got to talk to building and grounds because we've got to carry him up, and the handicap access stuff has to be taken care of there. And then when you get on the roof, we're going to have to cut a hole, and we need the finance committee to tell them how they're going to cut the hole through the roof, and then we're going to lower him down through. So we talk to the finance committee again about how we're going to pay for the pulleys to lower him down in there. Can I ask you a question? If we'd have had to go through all that, would this man have ever gotten to Jesus? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Can anybody tell me where the prayer was in that? Well, let's talk about hiring a preacher. Let's talk about hiring a preacher. Anybody ever seen the process for hiring a preacher? Well, one of two things happen. You get about 500 resumes, and you look at the resumes. What is it that you're looking for? A specific age? A specific look? Married? Not married? Young? Old? You go through a list of worldly things and pick out the stack that you like. And then you call them in and see if the stack looks like you want them to look, acts like you want them to act, says what you want them to say, and actually can preach. And if it's God's man but he can't preach, it must not be God's man. Well, God's man doesn't come with qualifications. He's either God's man or he's not. And then you send a committee out, if you want to do it that way, to hear them preach and them preach and them preach and them preach. And it becomes a character mission, not a pastoral leadership choosing. It becomes a charisma contest. You know it and I know it. Jesus is praying, right? He comes down and he chooses these guys, right? I found this. It's not mine. It's awesome. You ready for this? Listen to this. As Jesus spent his night in prayer, thinking about the men that he would call, he was aware that they were not typical candidates for the work that lies ahead of them. In a book written by Frank Tillipow, the following memo is found. This is brilliant. To Jesus. Son of Joseph at the Woodcrafters Carpenter Shop in Nazareth, zip code 25922. From Jordan Management Consultants, Jerusalem, 26544. Subject, Staff Team Evaluation. Thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have picked for management positions in your new organization. All of them have now taken a battery of tests, and we have not only run the results through the computer, but also arranged personal interviews for each of them with our psychologists and vocational aptitude consultants. It is the opinion of our staff that most of your nominees are lacking in background, education, and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They do not have the team concept. We would recommend that you continue your search for persons of experience and managerial ability in the proven capacity. 
Simon Peter, for instance, is emotionally unstable and given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership whatsoever. The two brothers, James and John, sons of Zebedee, place personal interest above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine all morale. We feel it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus definitely have radical leanings, and they both registered high on the manic depressive scale. One of the candidates, however, shows incredible potential. He's a man of ability, resourcefulness, meets people well, has a keen business mind, has contacts in high places. He's highly motivated and ambitious and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man. All of the other profiles should be self-explanatory. We wish you every success as you proceed. Remember when we talked about the difference between the way the world sees it and the way the kingdom sees it? It's imperative that we learn it. Listen, both as we choose our leaders and as we are chosen. There are people in this room who have no idea the capacity they've already been given to lead. Not to be fishermen, but to be fishers of men. Not to be tax collectors, but to be makers of miracles. Not to be flying solo, but to be leading churches across continents. Not to be quiet, bulky, hairy men who just hang out together on their Harley Davidson camels. But people who preach to thousands from the steps of the largest church in the world. You are those people. Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. The called. And in choosing me, we must be wise. But listen to me. In accepting, you best find some courage and wisdom also. Okay, preacher, fine. It's all well and good. You've made your point. How do we do it? I'm glad you asked. When we're going to make a decision about leadership in our church, there will be qualifications that need to be met. If you hate children, it is probably not a good idea for us to hire you in our children's ministry. (laughs) If you are a mute, it is likely that this position here isn't for you. Okay, I would say if you are deaf, you probably shouldn't be our worship leader, but our worship leader's deaf in one ear, so there you go. God can do it. That's also why you heard the lady through the speaker this morning. One, two, three, four. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. If you're going to choose or be chosen, this is where we begin. Begin where Jesus did. If you didn't pray at the beginning, the middle, and the end, you did it wrong. Don't even proceed. Pray before proceeding. 
pray while proceeding. Pray after the process. Just pray. Why? Because the effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. That's scripture. Cover it in prayer. Choose with confidence. Don't tippy-toe in. Don't, Jesus can't say, hey, Peter, I need to do something with you that nobody thinks you can do, all right? Peter says, I'm ready, what is it? Walk out on water. Ah, hold, please. No! What did Peter do? Why was he the right guy for the job? Cool! James, John, go touch that man. He's going to stand up. Okay. You know what we'd have done? Well, does he have leprosy? If he has leprosy, I'm going to need some gloves. Is he wearing his mask? We've got COVID. Do we need to get a mask? I think we need a mask. Do we need to get him a mask? Let's get him a mask. What do we... <laughs> it's called faith. Maybe, just maybe, this Jesus that we sing about knows what he's doing. Well, I can't believe he picked him. He's divorced. <laughs> Take your best shot. I mean, really. Failed and still used. You know why? Because I was failed, but now I'm filled. Come on. You with me? If God's going to call you, he's going to fill you. All right? Just don't stand there like this. Choose with confidence. Not with question. Not with quarrel. Y'all never do that, do you? You ever do that? Hey, uh, John and Deb, I'm going to need you to move to Zimbabwe and be missionaries. What's that going to cost? What should we do with our house? What should we do with our, 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 our rental property? Do they have soccer there? We can't move if they don't have soccer there. Jesus, there's going to be a lot of things that we need to check off the list before they know full well that I believe if God called them, they'd go in a heartbeat and we would miss them and I would cry. And then I'd go to Zimbabwe too. It might be our next plant, NBZ Zimbabwe. All right? Whatever it is. But do you, you all get what I'm saying? Have you ever done that? I believe God's calling me to move here, but I got a house, I got a car, I got the boys, I got the school I want, I got a da 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 What did Peter do? Dropped his nets and followed. What did James do? Dropped his nets and followed. What did John do? Dropped his nets and followed. What did Andrew do? Drops his nets and followed. What did Judas do? Dropped his net and followed. Wasn't a net, but you with me? Choose with confidence. Connect with the kingdom. If it's connected with the kingdom, the rest of this doesn't matter. Whether Peter looked like a preacher didn't matter. Whether he knew the Old Testament didn't matter. Whether he had the schooling didn't matter. If it was connected with the kingdom, it was going to be there. I know what you're getting ready to say. How do I know? How do I be sure it's connected to the kingdom? I'm glad you asked. 
This will be about the fifth time I've shared this with you. If you are not sure, here are four tests to run it through to see if it is. One, does what it's calling you to do match the person of Jesus Christ? Because the person of Jesus Christ is the honest Emmanuel expression of God on this planet. It is the embodiment of the Word made flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Does the call on your life match the person of Jesus? Second, does it match the whole of Scripture? Not this Scripture that you can check off. Not this Scripture that means what you want. Does it match the whole of Scripture? Three, how did it work historically? That is not the one you start with. If you use that to start with, you're doing it wrong, all right? But it is a good thing to check it out. If 85 people have tried this and failed, might want to reconsider. If it didn't work the first 700 times, why will it work now? That's like all the people in the Old Testament. Hey, let's turn away from God for a while. See how that goes for us. Oh, let's try. Let's turn away from God for a while. Over and over again in every book of the Old Testament. Back, forth. Oh, stop. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Stay there for crying out loud. And number four, ask somebody wise. Don't call me. I'm just kidding. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's why we have community. That's why we do community. That's what I'm here for. I believe God's doing this. Walk me through this, 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 this. Get the wise people around you to speak in. If they're against it, stop whining that you didn't get your way. Be thankful that they protected you from what Satan wanted and are keeping you open for what God wants. You ever popped a blood vessel? Little bitty stingy. Oh, I hit it and it hurts. Ow. Hurts like the dickens. Cover it in prayer. Make your choice with confidence and connect with the kingdom. All right? There are some incredibly exciting things happening. Look around. We're going to have to move the tape pretty soon. Not for a couple of weeks. Do you know why? No, you know why? Because there was about 80 open spaces at 9. Get up. Wake up sooner. All right? And I believe that we're way safer. I believe that we're way safer. I don't believe that we're out of the woods for our entire church family. I think there are people who are still vulnerable I think there are people who are still afraid. And as long as I can make them worship in the most comfortable atmosphere we can, I'm going to allow that. But as summer proceeds, we'll start opening pews down the middle here and we'll leave those spread out. And then we'll start opening those up. And when 60, 70, 80% of our folks are vaccinated or have had this, let's party. Come on. But we also have incredibly exciting things in terms of small group leadership, church leadership, elder leadership happening right now. And over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear more about it. And you are going to do what I did this week and go, oh my goodness, how did God know? And then you need to slap yourself. You do, you need to slap yourself. Why? Because you know God knew. And you just didn't trust. Well, yes, I did. Then you shouldn't have had to ask. <laughs> Cover it in prayer. Choose with confidence. Connect with the kingdom. 
Use the scripture, use the person, use history, and use the wise people around you. And that's all she wrote this week. Have an incredible week. Kingdom first. I love you. God bless you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all you have done and you are doing here. And we pray that we keep our eyes focused 100% and completely on you. I ask that you totally and wholly cover us with all that you are and protect us in all ways from uh, falling away, from making poor choices, from uh, becoming uh, financially unsound. I pray for the 40 or 50 of our church members who are out this week um, um, vacationing, out this week in the hospital, out this week sick, out this week with their, with their children at, 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 at all of the events that, that just go on. God, I pray that you bring them back to us safely. God, I look forward to the day when we look around after this and we go, where did everybody come from? And I will just laugh and go, <laughs> I have hope. My hope is in Jesus. What's the old hymn? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Say it with me, church. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen? Amen. I love you. Have an incredible day.